Your podcast starts after this quick message from Clear. The average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for allergens and germs to get in your nose and body and wreak havoc. That is, unless you regularly clean your nose and sinuses. So for healthy breathing and a strong body, use Clear Nasal Spray. Clear is a natural nasal spray featuring xylitol, an ingredient clinically proven to work against bacteria and effectively clean, not just rinse, your nose. Clear Nasal Spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. In fact, in a recent study, researchers found that xylitol nasal sprays like Clear are just as effective as leading medicated nasal sprays. For better breathing, get Clear today. That's spelled X-L-E-A-R. You can find it at all major retailers, CVS, Rite Aid, Walgreens, Sprouts, Whole Foods, and everywhere else. This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Well, hello, mindful listeners. Thank you so much once again for spending part of your day with us. All right. You know, a lot of times I've said these are these shows are evergreen. You can click on something and you're going to just hear something that could be relevant to you and as times change. But guess what? We are in a pandemic and I think we are still in the middle or the maybe even beginning of it. And are you having trouble sleeping during this COVID-19 pandemic? Well, you are not alone. And I've got somebody that is going to help. I'm going to bring Dr. Michael Awad on the show. He is a fellowship trained sleep surgeon. We're going to talk about what that is and a chief of sleep surgery at Northwestern Medicine. He's establishing a state-of-the-art program providing surgical options for patients with obstructive sleep apnea. He is also an active researcher and scientist, so he's not only a practitioner, he's getting the goods behind the scenes too, and he's studying that upper airway stimulation for those obstructive sleep apnea conditions. Dr. Michael Awad, thanks for being here. Holly, thanks for having me. It's great to be on the show with you here. All right, so let's just talk about, I think in all of my career, uh, I've never heard of a sleep surgeon. So tell us a little bit about what that is. Yeah, I'm not surprised, and I would guess most of the listeners haven't heard of a sleep surgeon before. Uh, And that's because this is a relatively new field, and there's really only a handful of us across the country and across the world who specialize in this area. Um, So it's a really unique opportunity for me to be uh, here at Northwestern University in Chicago and having the opportunity to build what we uh, hope to be a world leader in this field. So we're all familiar with sleep. We're all familiar with sleep disturbances and sleep disorders. And maybe even some of us have heard of sleep apnea, but for those that haven't, uh, sleep apnea is a condition caused by a number of factors. So in one respect, it's related to genetics. It's partly related to the structure and development of our facial skeleton and our airway. Uh, And it's also related to some of our behaviors in terms of our weight, uh, you know, alcohol intake and smoking. But sleep apnea is essentially a condition where we repetitively stop breathing during sleep. And it's a big problem. It actually affects up to 20% of the population. Wow. Yeah, it's a big number. Yeah, it's a big number. And I know I I hear about it all the time. And I think that, you know, it's kind of interesting because when you're hopefully aware and to the show being mindful during the day, you can maybe adjust your habits or change them or... You know, but when you're asleep, you might not be aware of what's going on, but all of a sudden you wake up and, you know, you wake not rested and you're slugging throughout the day and the vicious cycle starts because what do you do? You, you then medicate your day energy by what? 
having caffeine, and then you're all buzzed up and probably stressed out. And so what do you do? <laughs> you medicate your nighttime energy by a couple of glasses of wine or what have you, which of course contributes, as you said, to the problem at hand. And then, you know, I mentioned COVID, you know, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but probably one of the best things for our immune system, because when you point the finger at the virus, right, which we all have been doing, and we hear about it every day to this day, it's that old adage that there's three pointing back at you, right? So we can do things to actually increase the resistance of the host, right? This virus needs a host in order for it to be activated, and we are the hosts. And so sleep is probably one of the best things that we can have, a good night's sleep where you get to sleep and stay asleep and cycle through those sleep stages, correct? Well, totally. I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head here. And moreover, there's a lot of things that are out of our control these days, right? I think a lot of us feel like the world is moving past us and, you know, we're just not in control of anything going on, right? However, this is one of the things that we can control. And it's one of the things that can have a big impact because we know even just one night of sleep deprivation significantly, as much as 30%, reduces our ability to fight infections. You know, getting that good sleep every single night and keeping a consistent schedule is a great way to boost your immune system. It's a great way to keep, you know, appropriate levels of, uh, you know, the antibodies that are required in order to fight infection and all of those types of inflammatory cells that we actually need and are, and are good against, you know, fighting infections in the body. Yeah. So, all right, we're having trouble sleeping. You do this day in and day out. What are some tips that folks can actually start implementing right after the show, like for tonight, that they could do to help this? I would say it's the best medicine around. And I used to, I mean, let me tell you, Dr. Awad, I would, I would take it for granted. I was one of those people who was like, ah, I can sleep when I die. And you know, I would just burn the candle at both ends. And uh, just and now being a you know postmenopausal, almost 55-year-old woman, I'm like, this is my best friend, and I want to protect it as much as I can because it's awesome. And let's face it, our days start the night before. So what can we do to start sleeping better, especially when so many things are out of our control and so much stress is upon us even more than our current just modern day it's because of this pandemic what can we do well holly you know the, the work actually starts as soon as you get up to think about how we're going to improve our sleep for tonight wow so let's take this in a bit of a stepwise approach so these are things that actually you know the listeners don't have to start on later tonight they can start on this today uh you know during the day you know so let's start by talking about light that's one of the important things i think During this pandemic, a lot of us, in fact, I would say, I would venture to even say most of us are spending a lot of time working from home. Um, And we're not getting that exposure to our usual schedule that keeps us in line and keeps us in check. One of those important governing factors is actually light exposure. So when we're inside, we're not getting a whole lot of light exposure if if you're not, you know, lucky enough to live in kind of big windowed homes and things like that. So getting exposure to light is critical in the morning because it signals to our internal body clock, in other words, our circadian rhythm, as it's so-called, that it's time to be up and active. So I think one of the big things, and you can kind of do double duty here um, all at once, is to get up in the morning and maybe think about, instead of having your coffee, if that's something that you like to do, if that's your habit, coffee or tea, or even, even better, a glass of water in the morning, go ahead and do that outside. Get some exposure to natural light first thing in the morning. 
Absolutely. And if you even want to take that up a notch, one of the other important things in addition to light is exercise. We have to build up this thing called sleep pressure in order to be able to fall asleep later in the, in the night. And what is sleep pressure? If you think about a toddler who's, uh, who you take swimming and they kind of swim at the <laughs> beach all day and then they knock out in the car, that's a good example of sleep pressure. So, so they built up that you know, requirement for their energy usage and then they get tired. And adults are the same. We actually have to use up a certain amount of energy and build what we call a sleep pressure. It's actually a buildup of certain sleep hormones in the body that causes us to feel sleepy. And you can do that by introducing exercise into your daily routine. That's so great. I mean, so right when we wake up, not to put any pressure on anybody, but we can start thinking about our good night's sleep ahead of us. So going outside, natural light, and then increasing sleep pressure. There is nothing better to me than the feeling of just complete exhaustion after doing. I love gardening. I love like, you know, cutting wood. I love, you know, being outside. And I, I go up to my friend, Dr. Tori Hudson's property, and she has a laundry list of me just to fuss around and do. And to come in around six o'clock and have a small dinner and just have the best night's sleep ever because I get, I've never heard of sleep pressure either, but I get it. I get it. And so we can get our, you know, people are thinking about like, you know, at work right now, we're doing a step challenge, but getting out and moving is way more, there's way more to it than just uh, getting that blood flowing or increasing, you know, cardiovascular health or bone health even, or mental wellness. It can help you sleep better. It can definitely help you sleep better. And I think people sometimes hear exercise and say, uh, you know, say you're a busy mom. I mean, you hear exercise, and you think, I don't have the time to go to a gym. I can't. But it doesn't necessarily mean getting into a gym and lifting weights. Just getting out, even with your little one in the morning for a 30-minute walk or a 20-minute walk around the block, you're doing double duty. Get the exercise, you get the light, and you even get some time with the little one to help tucker them out a little bit later, too. So, I mean, these are all good things, and it doesn't have to be strenuous. All right, then let's talk about something that is a hot topic right now, because as you mentioned, folks are working from home. What are they working on? And also they're tuning into the nonstop news cycle. It's the screen stuff. And they've got kids at home too. And I know for a fact, both in my immediate and extended family and people that I know, the screen restriction for kids and some boundaries have loosened up a little bit because the kids are are at home and the parents are juggling not only their school schedule or their schedule in general, but their own work schedule. So screens are even more of an issue now than ever. We're meeting by Zoom. We're not meeting in person. What about screens? Well, screens are, are critical, Holly. I mean, and they're critical in a good and a bad way. Obviously, all of these devices around us have improved our connectivity. It's allowed us to communicate with our loved ones. Uh, and we're able to be in constant contact in a time that would be otherwise really quite isolating. Uh, and that's a great thing. But on the other hand, all of these devices emit something called blue light. And blue light tends to have a, a real significant impact on our internal body clock that I mentioned before, our circadian rhythm. Because what blue light does is it signals to our circadian rhythm that actually it's time for us to be awake and active. So imagine that you're giving your brain the signal that it's time to be awake, it's time to be awake, and then meanwhile, you're trying to fall asleep. 
those two are at odds with one another and it can really lead to difficulty falling asleep. And it can actually, even if it doesn't cause difficulty falling asleep, it can cause fragmentation of your sleep. So it can cause your sleep to become a little bit choppy and affect your ability to get into the appropriate stages of deep sleep that you need to get into. So what are the boundaries? What do you suggest? What's the best? I mean, obviously we're dependent on them right now from a timing perspective, you know, well, first of all, I know that there are some gadgets that you can actually use to help kind of block those blue lights, but then also mm-hmm. when should we stop and allow that, that time and space for sleep, that good sleep to, to come in? Yeah. So there's perfect answers and then there are good enough or, you know, what, what I might call reasonable answers. I think a reasonable answer is avoid it for an hour before you go to bed. Okay. In a perfect world, you'll be putting these, you know, a few hours before you go to bed and and letting yourself really settle down. But that might not be um, so reasonable in our in our current environment. But an hour before you go to bed should be manageable for just about anybody. We don't want you in the situation where, you know, you're lying in bed and you're either watching a TV set in the bedroom or you're holding your phone above your head with your head on your pillow like we can all imagine. And you're scrolling your social media feeds or reading the news. Those are the things that are going to be really detrimental to your sleep. All right. That sounds good. So, and you know, you talked about being a sleep surgeon and then, you know, this, the 20% of the population being affected by sleep apnea, where probably some of the things that they're doing or we're, we're talking about during the day, it's still not making a dent. How can somebody actually see a sleep surgeon or how can they know that this is maybe something that they actually do need to do? to to help with this, you know, incredibly important part of their lives. Yeah, so this is so important um, because what's happening when you have sleep apnea and you're having these events where you stop breathing, sometimes up to 100 times an hour you're stopping breathing and you may have no awareness of this. If you're lucky, someone who sleeps next to you may tell you that you're snoring quite loudly, uh, but even even sometimes, yeah, even sometimes people with sleep apnea may not snore at all. So if you're finding that you're still not well-rested despite getting enough sleep, it's definitely worth getting looked at. And if somebody tells you that you snore and you snore regularly, take that seriously because 70% of people who snore do have or may develop sleep apnea. So it's definitely worth getting looked at. All right. And then where can people go for more information? Yeah. So for more information, you can head to the uh, Northwestern Medicine website. So that's nm.org. And you can find me there. I'm Dr. Michael Awad, A-W-A-D. Uh, you can also go to the Sleep National Sleep Foundation website, which is sleepfoundation.org, where, where you'll find a lot of helpful resources. So that's northwesternnw.org. It's nm.org. Nm.org. That's probably the easiest website I've ever said on the show ever. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's like, I know. Yeah nm.org that's and and we can find more about you there thank you so much this is definitely such an important topic um, and certainly in this pandemic that we're in where i know the stressors are piling up and we've got so many contributing factors to why that night sleep is so turbulent for folks and so i'm so excited for this new field of 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 work that you've taught me about sleep surgery and um 
uh, and and just being a researcher and a scientist in studying this upper airway and people that have obstructive sleep apnea, what a resource. And thank you so much for being here. Well, thanks for having me, Holly. And uh, it's been great to chat with you. Yeah. All right, mindful listeners. It's time when you wake up <laughs> to get ready for bed in a sense. All right. So we're going to see you next time. Thanks again.